Einstein started looking in his coat pocket, in his pockets. He's looking all around, and he's flustered because he can't find his ticket. And the porter said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about it. I know that you ride this train every day. I will just collect it from you tomorrow. And Einstein said, well, that might be fine for you, young man, but without my ticket, I don't know where to get off. (laughs) If the train is your spiritual journey and the ticket is your purpose in the kingdom of God, have you ever felt like you were riding the train and didn't know where you were going? Thank you. The question I get more than any other question from people is, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Ephesians 5.17 tells us, out of the contemporary English version, I've always used this one, it says, don't be stupid. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. You know, the Lord absolutely wants you to know what he has for you. He is not trying to hide from you. He wants you to know. And I like that version because it, it says if, if we're not seeking the Lord, if we don't really know what he wants us to do, we're really being stupid. Because God is not at any time saying, I'm not going to tell you. He wants you to know. We are in a lesson series started last week called Rich in Generosity. Rich in Generosity. And this morning, I want to talk about God being generous in purpose, on purpose. He is generous in purpose for you, and he's generous in purpose, on purpose, for you. Did you find Luke 9? All right, Luke 9, starting in verse 11. In fact, this is the only verse we're going to take out of there. It says, the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. I want to show you four things out of this scripture that the Lord wants to do for us. First, the first step in knowing your purpose is find him. It says that the crowds found him. Find him. He is not playing hide-and-go-seek, but it may be a treasure hunt. It may be something that you have to decide, this is worth my effort. This is worth going after God for. You usually know what long before we figure out the how. Last week, when uh, Lisa and I and the Hoopers were down in Rusk, there was a young lady that came up after the service and I knew I was supposed to pray for her. Don't you love those moments when you just go out, man, I know I've got something for this, this young lady. And she came to me. I didn't have to, hey, don't leave. Come back. That's always awkward. As they're running out, you're going, don't leave. Come back. So this lady, young lady, she was 19 years old. She came up to me and she said, I really enjoyed your message. You said several things that, that made me think. I said, that's great. And I just looked at her and I said, what are you called to do? And she said, I don't know. And I said, that is not true. And she goes, uh, all I know is I want people to know that God is not mad at them. Purpose. I said, young lady, you have the heart of an evangelist. And she was all kind of mousy. And she goes, I do? 
Yes, you do. You have the heart of an evangelist. You want people to know God is not mad at them. And she began to receive purpose as, as Corey and I were, were ministering to her and we prayed over her. And she began to see, you know what? I'm not just here for no good reason. I'm here with purpose. Now, I didn't get a lot of her, her, her background. But I just don't think that she had, you know, the prettiest of upbringings. Let's just put it that way. She looked like she'd had a rough time. But as she began to just listen to what the Lord was saying to her, and she allowed Corey and I to begin to prophesy and pray over her, she began to receive the understanding that she had purpose, that there was something in this world that she was meant to do, not only meant to do, but that she was born to do it. Sometimes we try to make it so big. And God's just saying, let people know I'm not mad at them. Maybe sometimes there are some habits, some relationships, or some wrong thinking that need to die before we can fully see our purpose. You know, the angel told, told the, the ladies that came to the tomb after Jesus had been buried, he said something that made me think. He said, why are you looking for someone who's alive amongst the dead? Why are you searching for that which is alive amongst the dead? Or why are you looking amongst the dead for someone that's alive? You know, there's just some things. Sometimes we need to be able to set those aside and say, God, I want your purpose. I don't want anything that's going to keep me from seeing and understanding what it is that you want me to do. And not everybody in this world, even good Christian people, are going to encourage you to be who God created you to be. They're not. It's not that they're bad people. They just don't understand that we're here for so much more than just having a good job. We're here for so much more than just having the nicest house and the nicest yard. Man, I'm glad we're here for so much more than that because i got the worst yard in town, I promise you. Everybody's going, ooh, it's raining. Now I don't have to water my yard. I'm going, ooh, it's raining. Now I have to mow my yard. I don't want to mow my yard. You got to go old school sometime. I know this is going to sound so very simple. So very simple. You got to go old school. In other words, you got to go to the Word. You got to take this thing right here and it's got to become life to you. We live in a society, even in the Christian world, that does not honor the Word of God anymore. But we have right here a roadmap to the heart of God. We have right here a love letter to you from God. We've got to know it. You know, the Bible says that my, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. How many people are destroyed because they really don't even know what the Word of God says? It's hard to go to God in faith when you don't know what He has said. 
It's hard to say, Lord, I believe you for this when you can't go to a scripture that says, hey, your word says this. Why is it so important that we know the word? Because it's God's word. It's God's word written to you. We've got to go to the Word. We've got to be people of the Word. We cannot live this life without a foundation of the Word of God. And we've got to pray. And we've got to listen to God. You know, I had a dream many years ago. I had a dream. <clears throat> and in this dream, some kind of catastrophe had happened. I don't know if it was a war. I don't know if it was a natural disaster. Something had happened, and I was, I was in the rubble of what had been my house. And I'm not looking for old photos. I'm not looking for anything that we might, might think that I would treasure. What I was doing is digging around in that rubble going, I can't find my Bible. I can't find my Bible. Oh, God, I can't find my Bible. I can't find my Bible. And I remember it was so vivid. And there was, there, was, there, there was such anxiety in me because I couldn't find my Bible. I'm saying, Lord, I don't know it. And there was something in my head I knew in that dream. I couldn't just go grab another one. Lord, I don't know it. Lord, I don't know it. I need my Bible. I need my Bible. I need my Bible. And then in the dream, I realized that I had a New Testament in my pocket. And I pulled it out. And I remember holding it and saying, God, I will never live this life without your word i will never live this life without your word we've got to have that kind of heart the world that we live in is not going to be changed by some little nice tweet that we put out the world is changed by the power of god and we know and understand the power of God through his word. You can have an encounter with God. You can have an encounter with Jesus. Apart from the spiritual disciplines of the word and prayer, but you'll really never find him without them. You can come to a good service Somebody can pray for you, and you feel just the presence of God around you. But then you're going to walk out, and if you don't have the spiritual disciplines in your heart to feed yourself, feed yourself from the Word, I hate to say it, but it usually doesn't last. It's like going to church camp every year. You used to go to church camp every year and come back going, I believe for Jesus. And it will last about two weeks. All right, the second step in knowing your purpose is to follow him. Got to find him, then you got to follow him. Follow him, imitate him. Ephesians 5, 1 says, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, imitate him, follow his lead. I had a freedom appointment a couple of weeks ago. And if you don't know what a freedom appointment is, that's when you get with some members of the freedom team 
And they sit there and they help you dig through some junk in your life and hear God on the situation. They're absolutely wonderful. So I had a freedom appointment a couple weeks ago. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, when I'm stressed, when I'm frustrated, or when I'm fearful, it's because I've gotten out of step with him. Because if I'm walking side by side, if I'm walking in cadence with the Lord, I'm not going to be stressed out because I understand that he's carrying the load. I'm just walking with him. I'm not going to be frustrated because God never gets stopped. Nothing's going to stop the plan and the purpose of God. And I'm not going to be fearful because I'm walking in his love. And perfect love casts out all fear. He knows what he's doing and he knows where he's going and it's always the right direction. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God knows what he's doing? Do you believe he knows where he's going? And do you believe it's always in the right direction? I read a story uh, about a guy, this is back in 1976. A guy got on an airplane and after the plane had taken off, he jumps up with a gun and he grabs the stewardess and he says, Take this plane to Detroit. And she goes, sir, we're already going to Detroit. And he goes, oh, good. And he sits back down. (laughs) When it comes to where God is taking you, you don't have to make it happen. You don't have to jump up with a spiritual gun and say, take me to Detroit. God knows where he's going. Get on the ride and go with him. Go, move. Had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, God God would rather have a team of horses that were already moving that he could control than a bunch of mules that are just going to sit down and do nothing. What was he saying? He was talking to me. Because sometimes we just want to sit and do nothing. Well, I'm not moving until God tells me something. I'm not moving until God answers his prayer. I mean, and and, and please understand, I'm not saying that we don't don't, uh, uh, come to a place where I'm not moving off the word or anything like that. I'm saying sometimes just get up and move. Just get up and do. I'm so confused about what God wants me to do. Do something. Just move. Because if you'll just move, what you were created to do, what's already in your heart to do, will start to come out. Well, I just don't know where it is God wants me to go. Just go. Just move. Just step. Take that step. Just like that young lady. She said, I don't know what God has called me to do, but she knew exactly what God had called her to do. What has God called you to do? I challenge you. And I challenge the lie that you don't know what God has called you to do. That you don't know the purpose that God has put you on this earth for. I challenge that lie. Because I guarantee you when you're just being you, it's coming out. Before I was ever even saved, when I was in high school, people that I wasn't even really close to, they would just come and sit down next to me and they would start telling me all their problems. I'm like, what makes you think I care? But I always found myself just patting them on the back going, it'll be okay. I mean, there was, nothing, there was no life inside of me, but I, I start giving them, you know, so, some advice. Before I was even saved, I was already pastoring people. 
Why? Because that's what I was born to do. That's who I am. That's who I am. And you, whoever, whatever it is, just do, just be, just go. Just open your mouth. What's going on around you? Open your eyes to see it. Because whatever you're called to do, the Lord said this to me a few years ago too. He said, if you can't be a pastor without the platform, if you can't be a pastor without the pulpit, you'll never be a pastor with it. So if you're looking for somebody to come and grab you and put you up on the platform and anoint you the next coming of Billy Graham, that might not happen. I hope you are the next coming of Billy Graham. We need some people to get saved. But Billy Graham didn't start on the stage. Billy Graham started going to people. Just be. Just do. A man's gift makes room for him. That's out of Proverbs. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. You don't have to make it happen. Your gift will make room for you. The Lord is always leading us. He leads us into freedom, although sometimes it hurts. You know, sometimes the thing that, that has got us bound up the most is what we've identified with the most. I identify with this hurt, and I've become this person who is hurt. And sometimes freedom, is, it, it, it hurts. When I was a kid, outside of my grandparents' house, they, they, they lived on a street and had a real big hill. And my cousin and I, we would ride our bicycle down that hill, get going real fast. And then we would jump the curb going into her yard. Boom. Well, after a while, that wasn't good enough. So we built a ramp so we could jump even higher. Boom. Jumping. Well, after a while, and I was real good at coming down the hill and jumping off the ramp, I was like, I have to do something special. So I decided that when I jumped, I was going to land in a wheelie, and I was going to keep riding it. So as I came down and I hit that ramp, I pulled back extra hard because I wanted to land on that back, that back wheel, and I pulled, and I just kept going. <laughs> and I landed right on my shoulder. I, knocked, I popped my shoulder out of joint. So my grandmother took me to the doctor, and he looked at me. He said, son, this is going to hurt, but it's what has to happen. <laughs> and he grabbed my shoulder, <laughs> popped it back into socket. Sometimes freedom hurts, <laughs> but I would not want to be walking around all these years later with my arms still looking like this. Sometimes God has to cut some things out of us. And it might hurt at first, but it's always for our benefit. God is always working for your benefit. He leads us into fellowship, but we got to be vulnerable. You got to be vulnerable with people. I know this is tough sometimes because we don't trust people, especially if you've been hurt. You don't want to trust anybody. But part of freedom is being vulnerable. And he leads us to serve. It's outside of his character not to serve. Look, the scripture tells us that we're to have the same thinking that Jesus had. 
out of Philippians chapter 2. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Or in other words, think this way. Think the way Jesus was thinking, even though he was in the form of God. Didn't think his godliness was something that he had to hang on to, but came to this earth as a servant. We're meant to serve. Some people can't connect with their purpose in the kingdom. It's because they won't serve. They don't step. They don't do. They won't be. Let me just throw this out here. This will be about the time everybody gets mad at me, but that's okay. There are lovely people sitting in this sanctuary right now who don't want to serve. Oh, here he goes. And the reason we don't want to serve, listen to me. Look, I, I understand. Sometimes there are situations where you really cannot serve. We've had people come to us and say, you know, we've had this tragedy. Can, can, can we get off rotation for a while? Absolutely. But six years later, you should be back in rotation. <laughs> right? The reason, listen, the reason we don't want to serve is because we have a poverty mentality when it comes to serving. Instead of a generous mentality, we have a poverty mentality. What do I mean by that? What can I get? Because when we live in poverty, we're always wanting to get. We're not looking for places to give. Get, 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 get. I've actually had people tell me, ah, we, we, we just can't serve because every time we come to church, we're serving. It's like, well, how often do you come to church? Well, once a month, twice a month maybe. I'm like, you know what? We have church every week. It's amazing how we have church every week. Serving is in the heart of God. Things we do here at this church, if we could ever, ever truly understand that every person that ever gets born again, every person that ever gets prayed for, healed, set free, delivered, these people that came and got prayer earlier, it started out there. It started being greeted at the door. It started with the ushers helping. It started with the barista giving them coffee. Some people are sitting in here because somebody else is willingly loving your children in children's ministry. And then we say, we don't want to serve. You mad at me yet? And nobody said no, so <laughs> just got quiet. Look, he always leads us to freedom so we can recognize our purpose. He always leads us in fellowship so we can awaken to our purpose. What does that mean? Awakening to our purpose in fellowship, you got to be around people. There's not one calling in the kingdom of God that doesn't have to do with people. Why? Because the kingdom is people. It's all about people. And it's always God's purpose for us to be servants so we can fulfill our purpose. The third step in knowing your purpose is to learn from him about the kingdom of God. Learn from him about the kingdom of God. Now, you may have gotten mad at me just a minute ago. 
You may not be listening to me at all, but I want you to listen. This next point, if you've heard nothing else I've said, I want you to listen to this. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is our right to stand before God because of Jesus. Listen to this scripture. Romans 5, 17. For the sin, 5, 17 through 19. For the sin of one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. So what is righteousness? It's a gift. You got that? It's a gift. For all who receive it, it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Why do we need righteousness? So we can live in triumph over sin and death. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because of one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Righteousness is not something that you have to obtain to. Righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is a gift, and the kingdom of God is righteousness. The first thing you have to understand is righteousness. I have the right to stand before God, not because I earned it, but because of Jesus. If you're trying to earn righteousness, you're living a works-based life, and you will never get there. You will be living in shame and condemnation all of your life, thinking, I'm never good enough for God. And God has never said that you were not good enough. In fact, he said, you were so good that I'm coming after you. Righteousness, peace. You're at peace with God because of Jesus. What does that mean? There is no judgment, no guilt, and no shame. If you're living under judgment, if you're living under guilt, and you're living under shame, you're not living in peace. And you're not understanding righteousness. Romans 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation. Say no. What does no mean? No. No means no. Right? No means no. There is no condemnation. What is condemnation? To be condemned, to be judged. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That should bring peace to you. There's no condemnation. Quit living in shame. Quit it. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I don't care. I don't care. Neither does God. He saw it. Was it wrong? Yes, it was wrong. But he says there's no condemnation. He said there's no place of 
of, of judgment on this, on this new covenant. There is no place of shame on this new covenant. We're free. We're free. Stop trying to work yourself into a right relationship with God. See, I talked about getting in the Word. I talked about prayer. And some of you only heard rules. You only heard, this is what I've got to do. No, you don't have to do it. You get to do it, and it allows you to see who Jesus really is. Therefore, there is no condemnation. There is no shame in the kingdom of God. Joy, righteousness, peace, and joy. When I know that I can stand before God with no guilt, no shame, that's something to be overjoyed about, right? Psalm 1611, you will show me the way of life, my purpose, granting me the joy of your presence because I'm righteous and the pleasures of living with you forever, the pleasures of not being judged guilty. And as you find him, as you follow him, and as you learn from him, you will be healed by him. The last thing that Jesus did says he healed them. Healing always follows the kingdom. Healing always follows the kingdom. Healed in spirit, a real and alive relationship with Jesus. A real and an alive relationship with Jesus. Not a relationship with church. Relationship with Jesus. Healed in emotions, not crushed and without hope. Healed in body. Scripture says he carried our sicknesses. He bore our diseases. And healed from wrong thinking. The belief that God either doesn't have a purpose for your life or that you can't find out what it is. Now, I've just given you directions to discovering the purpose of God in your life. But the enemy wants to, dis to distract you with the noise of this world. It's like a baseball catcher one time. This is a true story. Baseball catchers are known for talking a lot. This man came up to bat, and the baseball catcher is just running his mouth because he's trying to distract the hitter. And he said, hey, you're holding that bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it so you can see the logo. The pitch came. The guy hit a home run. And as he's rounding third and he's coming across home plate, he looks at the catcher and he said, I didn't come up here to read. I came up here to hit the ball. <laughs> the enemy's going to say, hey, you're not reading it right. The enemy's going to say, you're not doing it right. God's not looking for perfection in that. He's just looking for willing hearts. He's just looking for willing hearts. So what do I want you to know? Because of Jesus, you have a divine destiny. And God wants to share it with you. What do I want you to do? I want you this morning to commit yourself to finding him, following him, learning from him so you can truly hear his calling for you.
God's purpose for you is generous. And it's on purpose. It's on purpose.